And hello everyone, welcome again to uh, the Horrific Talk Spot, our second episode. Hopefully this time with a few less technical difficulties. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's always fun. Yes, we'll things. see how this one goes. Yeah, here, at least, if we get a bit better every time, then we're going in some sort of direction. If we get worse, we'll just give up and be like, nah. <laughs> so we're now officially in spooky season. There's enough if uh, if this fails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So for those of you who don't know, I'm Colin, and this one is Cameron. Oh, sorry, I am not hearing you at all. No. Oh, great. Um. If I turn this up a bit, how's that? No? You just keep cutting out is all. Alright, must be... Um, well, it's in here I've got a good connection, so... Uh, the putter tell me it's all good. But obviously Stupid not. Interwebs. Yeah, it's... I don't know, we look... This stuff, Skype. You gotta love Skype. Yep. This stuff has become part of our lives... <laughs> It's got to the point now where it's just we don't live without it and yet it never works. Mm -hmm. Oh well. So anyway, as I was saying, we're now officially <laughs> in spooky season getting ready to go for the old uh, Halloween shindigs. Always fun. Yeah, a little bit of a, a little bit of a change this year. It's uh, you know, not being able to actually get together with people, but yeah, it's major... Better uh, movies. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing as well. This whole Kung Flu stuff. We... There's not a... You can't mm. even go to the cinema anymore. Um, that was one thing when we dive into the first segment. Like, um, trying to have to actually uh, find other ways to see movies because there's nothing coming out right now. Everything's on hold, which is pretty shit, to be honest. Mm. Well, and some of it doesn't that it's being put on hold because i mean yeah you got some movies that you know are going to be better in a, in a uh, packed theater with an audience but some have been put on hold it's like nobody gives a fuck nobody's going to see that movie anyways just put it out on vod so the audience that wants to see it get paid yeah that's i don't know the the companies are making these like they've already spent out the money on these movies They've paid the actors, they've, they've paid out everything, and then they'd rather just sit on their mm. hands waiting for something to happen next year. It kind of shows the state of uh, Hollywood yeah. and these large corporations now because they can afford to bleed out mm -hmm. billions of dollars, you know, and not even blink an eye. And, yeah. you know, if we miss one paycheck, we're kind of out in the streets, you know. That's That's most normal people's uh, existence. You know? <laughs> it's like, well, do I start sucking dick now or do I start sucking dick next week? Yeah, it's like, mm, it's not even an option for like party anymore. It's like survival. <laughs> so you can't even... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, um, like for example, like this month we were hoping to talk about Terrifier 2 and sure enough, him comes over the, mm -hmm. the news that they're, they're going to wait, not even to the new year, it's, They've actually put it in the hold this summer. 
So it's like a year later that mm. they're just going to sit in this movie and just let it just let it rot. You know, it's it's a strange thing. Yeah, I don't get it with this one. Mm. Like, this is the kind of movie that... art comes from originally. Like, that's not that kind of shit anybody saw in theaters. That's the kind of shit that on Netflix or found it for like five bucks on the dollar bin at Walmart and you're like oh fuck this looks good and then you watch it with your they just released it VOD for that reason like this is the kind of movie that you sit around in someone's house and watch with mm-hmm. yeah and that's it. I think it's this obsession that everything has to be I, th- I don't think the media have caught up with the world today we're, we're definitely seeing the disconnect between what the people at Hollywood, you know, the executives, think should be happening and what's actually happening in the world. And then I think that's why there's... I don't even know. There's just anger because people are being angry for no reason at the moment and just looking for reasons to. But there's definitely an annoyance with entertainment providers and those that consume because these guys haven't caught up that most people don't want to go to the movie theatre now. I still like it, but at the same time, I can't justify spending twenty bucks on popcorn. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you can have a bucket in your living room for yeah, that's why I always get the subscription pail. <laughs> yeah. But it's still, you know, and people are sick of that. You know, it's uh, to take your family out as a major investment now, and most folks, especially with um, yeah, the quality of entertainment systems at home. And you don't have to deal with people. You don't have to deal with queues. You don't have to have somebody jostling. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that, that's always the thing bugs me when I go anywhere. Always somebody has to go to the bathroom and thump, 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 thump. You know, it kind of breaks you out of it. You know, it's you don't have to deal with that anymore. But the the yeah. the so-called clever people that tell us what we're supposed to enjoy, they know better. And they actually... Uh, <laughs> don't know what nothing really it's yeah. <laughs> uh, strange times but in Pretty terms much. of in terms of this yeah. show obviously um the segment of well, well when we jump on it just we're not really going to be able to do new releases every month because effectively there aren't any so we'll have to for the next foreseeable future few months i think it's just going to be what's released on particular platform it may not be a new movie but if it's been newly released we'll kind of go with that because it's the only way we can do it yeah well and it seems like there's always something new every month and um, like with shutter like what we're going to get into uh they seem to be pumping out content pretty regularly uh, oh yeah it was built up before the pandemic so i'm sure they've got a pretty damn decent stockpile yeah, just the thing but, is, that no, we'll what see. they release in Shutter isn't going to be a new release, you know, right. theatrical release. So a new release in Shutter will be maybe from 2015, mm-hmm. 2016 onwards. You know, it's not going to be this current year. So as long as people mm-hmm. understand that and go with it, then we're all good. You know, we'll, we'll do what we must. Mm-hmm. So I think with that, we shall dive into the first segment.
So, released on Shutter was Spiral. It uh, it came out this month. Interesting. Uh, it was a. Uh, um, it was something pretty hard. That's why it came to my attention. They were they've been putting it all over the ads, all over the apps. Mm-hmm. And it was like every other day. Uh, I play those doofy games where you match three bubbles and stuff, because I'm sad like that. But <laughs> every time you're trying to get three uh, extra prizes and lives, they keep showing you the, the ad for this movie before it's coming out. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess we'll mm-hmm. guess we'll watch it then. Same camp, watch what we want. Really weird movie. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes that shit works out. That's how I found out about American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh god, there's another thing. I was I was with that until um, Freak Show. I was on board with American Horror Story until Freak Show. And then oh, I love Freak Show. I don't know. Kind of, kind of lost me about halfway through. Roanoke. Roanoke. Yeah. Fuck, man, the ending like. I was that's where it's at because I mean I fucking love those style of shows. I'm just bored with Jessica Lange in it. To be honest, if they wrote her character right, or wrote her out of the show, <laughs> That's fair. I'd be a lot happy because she's a wooden plank. <laughs> Every season, she plays the old woman uh, battling with her age, <laughs> aging, and not being sexy anymore. It's like every fucking series, <laughs> she plays exactly the same character. It's like every the other cast are making an effort, and she's just and and, and what annoys me is she's put up as the main star of the show. And she's the worst. <laughs> so that's where they lost me. And then I think I got it as far let's see, freak show. The episode where she was taking the Siamese twins, or sorry, conjoined to be politically correct, to a house to live. When she's selling them the mm-hmm. mansion or something. I don't know, I got as far as that. I think that was the end scene. And I just went, Nah, I don't care. And that's <laughs> that's my problem with movies. That's and fair. It's the same with um, Sparrow. Uh, started it. If you want to get me invested in the movie, make me fucking care about the characters. Because mm-hmm. if I don't care about the characters, I don't care what happens to them. That was hard. Yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like with this. I mean, the like awful character. Like I don't like him. I want to see him dead. He's just so goddamn annoying. Malik. Yeah, he was. He's every cliche going. Um, so anyway, the premise of the story is this: uh, uh, same-sex couple move into a small town with uh, their daughter, and it's all American apple pie type, you know, friendly. But there's something sinister lurking underneath. That's that's the premise of the story. But the way it plays out, and this is actually the second I've noticed now a pattern. Um, uh, particularly Shutter seems to showcase a lot of these Canadian made movies and I watched The Void and I watched uh, another one, can't remember but uh, the pattern I notice is they're Canadian made and it's just overacting. it's like they're trying so hard to be American, it actually is painful it's like Londoners, English people yeah. English people are desperate to be American and it's just painful to watch it's like and they take every... Yeah, I don't know why anybody would want to be American. No, especially when they take every cliche from the 80s. 
<laughs> and they try to be it and you're just like mm-hmm. oh stop stop please just stop you're, you're embarrassing yourself <laughs> yeah no. oh that's weird having this set in the late 90s but it felt like they were going for an 80s vibe yeah it's it was definitely weird um they just took me out of it first of all um cliche the the character malik who the whole story centers around i just didn't like him um there was one brief moment where he where him and uh mm. what's the other guy's name however when dancing with the daughter it was like a heartfelt family moment and that was it but the rest of the time it's just like why are these people mm. even together they just there's no chemistry yeah. Like, I enjoyed his interactions with the daughter, um, like, early on in the film. Even, I guess, towards the end of the film when he was starting to lose it. But other his interactions with his husband just felt, well, I guess partner, because, yeah, it was the 90s. Um, it just didn't... They didn't feel right. No, it was, like, staged. It was just... Um, I don't know. And this is the problem with... Uh, this whole identity politics with today's movies is people are people are trying to tick boxes but they're not actually there's no feeling behind it and if you want to achieve something you have to you have to make people invest in your characters and this is what's not happening here mm-hmm. they're just wooden planks there's no gel in between them so if you're and mm-hmm. I don't think there was a political message in this. I think it's just they're they're following a trope now and Well, I mean, there was, it was just, it was just showing that there's always a social pariah, um, for each generation. Really? uh... Yeah, it's, it's just people. But once again, if they just, if they actually made their characters likable or, you know, have some sort of chemistry between them. So you understand why they're together. You you know what I mean? You ever, you ever see that couple Mm -hmm. and you're like, why are you used to together? You just don't, don't fit. So that that lost me at the start, and then yeah. fuck the whole the whole idea of the drama. Like, there's a particular scene in this where the family are doing the family across the street uh, are doing some sort of weird ritual. And fucking Malik's there with a Polaroid camera. Now, since when do Polaroid cameras come with telescopes? Yeah, why cameras? the fuck? Yeah, why, why, why the fuck are you doing that? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that no, I mean, like especially with the flash on. Yeah, but then if you have the lights on in the room, I get it because you're not going to see the flash; it's going to mask it. But he then flicks mm-hmm. off the light, so he makes it obvious he's there. If you, no, I mean, if you're standing there with the lights on, that's kind of how it works. You're not going to stand out. But since when the Polaroid cameras come with telescopic fla- flashes when he's looking across, it just makes no sense. If he was using like an SLR yeah, camera, well, it's like, or well, and then to have the flash, like having a flash in front of a piece of, all you're gonna get is that fucking flash on the glass. Yeah, and the the window. But <laughs> that picture came out crystal clear. It was like, yeah, that's that. that works. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff like that just takes me out of it. That's that's basic. Um, like even if you're not mm. a photographer, if you've done that shot and it doesn't look any, you know, what I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And this is the, I don't know, there's, there, there's almost like a contempt for the audience. Mm. It's like, we only want stupid people watching this. Or, 
do not show any sign of intelligence. But it's supposed to be a psychological thriller, so <laughs> it's not a slasher movie. Yeah. If you want to switch your brain off, you go and watch a slasher movie. But if it's a psychological drama, people are going there. To, they want to think about the plot. They want to think about what's going on. So if you're all over the place with like basic mechanics of yeah, you need to be invested. Yeah, so you need to have the. I mean, to have some sort of risk or investment, you need to like the characters first of all. There needs to be a chemistry because then there has to be. Oh, I, who's going to die? I hope it's not this person. I hope it's not the teenager. I hope it's not this because. If you don't have that, then you just don't care. You're just like, right, I'm fucking die already, would you? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you're just... Yeah. And that's... The movie kind of... When he got kicked out of the house and went to yes. live in a hotel, I, I switched off. I actually lost like about three, four minutes of the movie because my brain just went somewhere else. Because I'm like, what's going on here? That's... Is it a ghost story? Is it not? You know... They're just throwing so many elements upon elements into this. They're they're trying to bring a supernatural drama, because then he starts seeing visions of this young girl, who was one of the previous victims. And you're like, okay, why just this one? If this is happening over and over again, would there not be more? And it was just left. The thread was just left hanging. You know. Yeah, I I didn't understand that. I I just got. She horned in for a brief second, and then there was no payoff or no explanation. Uh, like what else? I uh, when he was starting to investigate what was going on, it started showing the threads. Like when he went and found that book on Rich, or not found, he was snooping through the guy's house, uh, and he found that book on Rituals. But we never got to see the book going through it. Because he never took it with him. Yeah. Yeah, that was stupid. So we never got to see what the ritual but was. did what... take it. Uh, uh, second time, I thought. Did I know he got stopped? Because, um, um, and that actor's quite famous. I, I, I forgot to write down his name. He, the guy with the blonde hair. Mm-hmm. He's a long-term, he's a long-term actor. He's been in, obviously, uh, shit. Marshall, I think? Mm-hmm. He was an American horror story yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. Um but he's a he's a he's actually a good actor. He's actually what saved it to me for me because uh he was kind of being a solid performance while there's just absolute chaos going on around him. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So uh but yeah, he finds that book with the ritual and he comes in and catches him, so he didn't take it with him. So we never got that scene of going, okay, what the hell's going on here? And then there was no reason to set him up to get him kicked out of the house because that was kind of all over the place. The young boy, he's supposed to be uh, the young man, he's supposed to like be having an affair with him. That just came out of nowhere. There was no setup or explaining or why they needed Malik to leave the house or push him away because... He wasn't on to anything, you know. As the audience, we weren't getting the payoff mm-hmm. of what he was actually discovering or finding out. That couldn't have been found out by anybody, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's right. Yeah, um, so like I said, I think that they're a good idea, but I think they tried to make it too complicated. 
and by making it too complicated, they kind of lost you from the story. And God, that music as well. That fucking music. Oh. That drove me insane. Like, if you're going to use a crescendo of strings, sparingly, because it makes it dramatic. Not after, like, they're using that as a bookend for every fucking scene, and it was annoying as shit. After the third time, I watched the movie. I was like, this is fucking annoying. Yeah, it was like, Especially because the audio was so quiet anyways. It was fucking awful. Yeah, because I had my earphones in, and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, you know, fucking just... Uh, it's like getting a, yeah. uh, a bucket of water thrown over you every every two minutes, you know, with a few ice cubes in it, and you're like, ugh. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you just switch off, you become numb, dude, you're like, mm, okay. Yeah, just, there's too, so much stuff going on here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a good premise, but it could have been, I think they tried too hard, and this is what a, um, there's another movie which I'll, I want to talk about in another episode called The Void. It's another Canadian movie that, once again, mm. because they're trying so hard, they're actually doing the opposite of what's what they're trying to achieve. It's a shame. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I suppose, coming up to the end of this here, um, so the, I think, because, like I said, there's no payoff, but... I think some sort of ritual has to be performed every 10 years so that the whole community can maintain their immortality. Is that what's meant to be going on? Yeah, that's, that was something that I've... Yeah, I've been trying to kind of figure that out myself because, of course, it's only the sun that's... But it's like, is that just sort of the catalyst for the energy to be you know, shared throughout the collective? Or is it from collective each decade does that, and they're just you know super super old. So yeah, I was a little little confused on yeah, that myself. Because once again, it seems over elaborate. If all, for example, is it just the sun that mm-hmm. needs to uh, eat the heart, or do they have to take turns? Like there is no mm-hmm. ritual to it to actually explain how the power is mm-hmm. other than swaying in a yeah, circle but that wasn't even during the event so my question mm-hmm. was why go to the elaborate uh, like did they entice this family in to the house is there a connection with that particular house of them being in the village or can they just go and get some virgin girl on her 16th birthday so why why go to that extreme just go to the black market it, it seems like they're all have wealth and well to do. So, if it's if that's all it's required, is just go and get a sixteen and bring her in every ten years. Yeah, there was no payoff or explanation as to why this needed to happen. What the rules were of the ritual? Because once again, with a horror movie, if there's a particular ritual or rite that needs to be performed, and you can break that rite, you can escape. There was none of that. And, and that's what took me out of it because there's no, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, if it, I think the major scene that would have changed everything, if you had have actually taken that book on rituals, if you had have read the book, and if the whole family had have realized what they were trapped in, and then tried to escape and either succeeded or failed, that would have brought me into it more. But the movie itself, like, they owned the police. 
the no, I mean the entire village is basically self-contained because they said it so they could have mm-hmm. set up the murder easy enough if that's what they were trying to do is make it the family killing uh, murder-suicide sort of thing they could have set that up anyway so once again why go through all this elaborate scheme for a simple payoff because when the son eats the heart he's already killed her it's done it's not even done the ritualistic manner the rest of the tribe or clan once again there's not even an explanation for their connection are they a, yeah. a cult that takes in new initiates are they an original family that were cursed there's nothing that not even a hint of it yeah yeah once again yeah like really the, about the only thing we get is like it looks like the sun or whatever that's about it yeah um although a good idea but wasn't wasn't even remotely well executed and because it tried to throw so many elements in at once it just became confusing and with the characters not being like relatable even to each other uh, you don't have any investment and you just like I said I think I got to the point where they set him up having the affair with the other guy to throw out of the house and that's where I kind of my brain just went nah I'm out and I think I just watched the rest of the movie uh, like just deadpan just to, just basically get to the end Normally, if it wasn't for this podcast, I would normally flick. There's been quite a few of yeah, these, these type of movies over the years. Um, the Grudge is a good example of um, the Sarah Michelle Gellar version, where I was so bored watching it that I just flicked through to get mm-hmm. to the end, but just so I could get some sort of payoff. Because yeah. I was like, you know, I just didn't care. And I knew she was the central character, so everyone else mm-hmm. was just that part. So I was like, okay, flick, flick, flick. And that's normally what I do with these type of movies is if they're making me snore along the way that I just don't care what's happening, I'll just skip to the sort of end scene to get the payoff because I, I just I have better things to do in my time and waste 40 minutes of exposition that means nothing. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, not a good movie. I just... Uh, did you enjoy it or did you... Do you find yourself pretty much the same boat I was in? It was okay. Yeah, I I wouldn't watch it again, probably. It was our... Yeah. I've definitely seen worse. Yeah, definitely. definitely seen much, much worse. I think, honestly, after watching Veronica, like, I can handle anything. Yeah, I haven't done that yet. I've, I've already heard about it, so I'm like, nah. <laughs> you should. You should watch it. Yeah, I just watched um, but... Scare Me there before, <laughs> before we come on. And, uh, <laughs> like... Got a little... That's such a good fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll give it a go. But So, final thoughts on that says uh, it's just going to be a forgettable movie. Like, good idea, badly executed, but you'll not even remember this in six months' time. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, shame, really. Oh, well. suppose we shall uh, dive into our next section, which we absolutely love so much, and that's Horrific Remakes. 
So I thought, um, I put this out in the web, what, what we'll do with this every month is um, I'll put out a poll and basically let the audience or people interested in the podcast pick the movie. So this month we decided, or the audience decided that we would go for Friday the 13th, the 2009 remake. This was um, a by the numbers slasher, there's no other... Uh, nothing really new with it. Yeah, it was fairly generic. I don't know, man. Like, say which opening, like that cold open, was fucking amazing. Like, that's some ballsy filmmaking right there. Like the first twenty minutes of the movie, that's like you're being uh, told that hey, these kids are important. You need to, you know, relate to them. So we get a whole backstory. Yeah. And they're just there to start the fucking movie. I thought that was awesome. Like that's one of my favorite parts about this movie. And this is what, this is what I'm talking about. Get you invested in the characters. Get get you having hopes and dreams for them, or caring whether or not they're going to make it. And then when they do, you get butchered a bit. You're like, oh no, what 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 is this? <laughs> yeah. Just the only thing that got me was the the thing that annoyed uh, not annoyed me but was a major plot hole in the first series. If Jason has been alive this whole time, because the first original three Friday the Thirteenth movies, they have him as a living, breathing human being. So why did Pamela Voorhees go on the murder's rampage? If her son's still alive, there's you know what I mean there's an unanswered question there. Mm. I mean, I it's kind of one of those things. I just uh, of course she's gonna go insane because her son could have died. I'd fucking murder people too. Yeah, but and the like why it goes one, to that? And the original one, he did die. That was the whole premise. Yeah, whatever. She was crazy. Yeah. But it makes you wonder, was mm. there something more with their relationship? Was it okay? Because, A, okay, if you'd just been drowned or partially drowned and you you survive it and you go, you're going to go home. So, and this movie does it again. It actually has Jason watching his mother get killed. Yeah, that was just fucking awesome. But <laughs> this is months after, or a year... When was this at? A year? Sorry, a year after the accident. So, according to this movie, and it was left open in the original series, which uh, I thought I might have got this hole plugged. Why the fuck is Jason Voorhees hiding in the woods for a year instead of going home? The first one was left ambiguous. Maybe that is her. Do you know what I mean? Because... In the first one, it was left ambiguous that was it Pamela Voorhees' death that resurrected Jason? Because it was kind of left that way. You know, there was a supernatural element. So you didn't really know because he obviously came out of the water. So was the act of Pamela's death some sort of... Yeah, but the... Well, there was never supposed to be a follow-up. Like, was like no that's it jason's obviously dead why the fuck would there be a sequel um and the him popping out of the water at the end of the first 
film. It's always just written down as a dream sequence. Yeah. But I've always tried to, because they never, they never explained it in the, the sequels. Which has always been, that's why I'm a Nightmare on Elm Street fan, as opposed to Friday the 13th. Because at least there's a backstory and explanation with Freddy Krueger and why he is what he is. But with Friday the 13th, this has always been the disconnect for mm-hmm. me, which I hoped this remake was going to explain. But they actually managed to make it more confusing because in this movie they have Jason Voorhees alive and watching his mother get killed. Mm-hmm. So it begs the question to me, she's went on this murder rampage a year after the original Crystal Camp Crystal Lake incident where Jason supposedly drowned. But this movie's telling us that he actually didn't drown and was alive and is actually watching the events unfold. So what the fuck is going on? You know, I, I just... I don't get it. <laughs> and if you leave a question like that and you, you don't give me a payoff, that, that's something that just bugs me because I'm like, okay, so was he terrified of his mother? Was he hiding from her? Why didn't he go home? Like, he's supposed to be a normal kid. Yeah, he's disfigured, but he's still a normal child. A normal child after a traumatic event. Because they lived close to the camp, so he knew the area. Is what I'm taking from it. And there would have been a search going on, so how, how did he end up living in the woods for a year and then not ever showing, his, showing himself? Or the fact that his mother came back it just that it once again it just leaves a huge pothole which I uh, I didn't get which I was hoping this remake was going to explain to me but it didn't do it or is that me just being weird and thinking too much into things uh kind of with these movies you just have to accept it's just that it's an intro to get you caught up to speed uh, like they did that with a lot of the Fridays, um, didn't always work, but out of the way so you could just watch a slasher. So I think if you understand the dynamic of these films, like as a whole, you go, oh, okay, well, I'm just here to see some blood and death. So, and we got that. <laughs> oh yeah, there's there plenty of that. So, uh, like I said, the, the first 20 minutes, it was excellent introduction, um, they actually gave us characters we cared about and then wiped them out. And then they brought these group of wooden planks, which you can already describe as walking wooden planks, that you didn't like. like um, what mm-hmm. was going on between, uh, was it Jared Padalecki, his, uh, uh, the main guy, Trent, who owned the house, and Daniel Panabaker's character, who, she was 23 at the time. I love these, I love these teenagers who are in their mid-twenties. It's just hilarious to me with these movies and I know why so, yeah. so you can watch them get naked and get chopped up I understand why they do it but still it's <laughs> just make them mm-hmm. uh, it is pretty damn funny yeah make them young adults or something uh, why do they always have to be college kids uh, that's uh, mm-hmm. that's a weird American thing I never get my head around but are they brother and sister or there's something between them because it's like He's trying to order her about. Now, he has a girlfriend. So, I thought that was a dynamic, first of all, that it was his girlfriend. But from the start, he's, like, really weird towards her. I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they... 
ever like that weird dynamic yeah it was almost like they were brother and sister but a bit more than brother and sister or you know i mean it was i i don't know it was just those two their dynamic took me out of it as well because i'm like what the hell's going on here are we going to get an explanation is there some sort of history why are they acting like that because usually with these movies they're all just you know they're all in having a good time and blah blah blah. but it started off with something like creepy and sinister between those two to begin with and i just it was a really strange thing to throw in. Maybe it was just the way they acted that made them come across that way, but that that took me out of the plot. No, I th- there was just not really much. You know, there was not really much between them, like explained. So it was. Yeah, it was odd. And then, uh, so it starts off. They're going back, and this guy is. But it makes me look like a really laid back and chilled person when it comes to OCD. Like, he brings everybody to the house and then spends the entire time freaking out about them being in the house. Don't touch this, don't do that, don't touch that. It's like, what the fuck did you bring them back to the house for? You should have hired a hotel or a cabin. Or had, okay guys, this is the party room. Don't fuck up anything else and then if they wanted to make that interplay between them they could have went into somewhere where they were not meant to go but straight away they're making him an unlikable character for no reason and especially they've showed they can do it right with the first 20 minutes as you said the the first uh, five or six characters were fun and you actually were rooting for them then they bring a slot on you're like mm-hmm. prep and die already it was just uh, really uh, strange. Yeah. So, Jason starts appearing and just chopping everybody to bits. There's not really, there wasn't really much of a plot off that. It just kind of went by the numbers. The kidnapped and um, what's his face out of Supernatural playing the brother. That was another weird dynamic as well. Mm-hmm. So he's out putting flyers for his yeah. missing sister. Yeah. And then this dude, Trent, automatically goes and bees the brood, uh, bro dude type thing for no reason. Of, like, you have to be completely sociopathic. Oh, shit, you're looking for your sister, he's went missing. Like, anybody else would have dialed it back. It's like they're trying too hard to make this mm-hmm. guy unlikable, which you don't have to try so hard. You just... Uh, I, I didn't get where his character was coming from or what he was about. Yeah. So he starts picking a fight with this guy for no reason, trying to be the the bro, and then when he goes back to the house, he acts like a complete bitch because people are partying in his house that he invited them to for the weekend to party. And then... I was just glad to see him dead to be honest because it was just like whew, fucking just <laughs> that's that's a this guy was actually giving me a headache in this movie by the way he's acting because it just mm-hmm. it was weird and then when did Jason start kidnapping people like that, that was another thing that took me a little when did Jason start holding hostages that was never his MO 
Yeah, I didn't understand that part. Like, I don't know. It was like they were trying to do something different, but where they could have changed things or explained things, they didn't. And then they just have her chained up in a basement for absolutely no reason, which is something that Jason's just meant to be the hulking, unstoppable killing machine. And, but he's keeping a hostage. Mm-hmm. For no reason. Uh, I don't know. That was that the director trying to be edgy or different or trying not to be a by the numbers remake. Meh, I I don't know. All in all, I thought it was a uh, kind of by the numbers in terms of slasher. If they had it maybe just mm. stuck the original formula. Or just made it like a sequel, but a remake. I don't know. But when they tried to change things, um, two things that took me out of it was that guy Trent character and the kidnapping a girl. That just didn't make sense for Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. And then that that black dude trying to play the race card from the very beginning is like, what the fuck, dude? That shit just bores me. You know, it's like, come on. Is that your entire... It's not needed. Yeah, it's like, is that the only thing you've got to say for yourself? Like, it was when he was doing the... Uh, like, getting wasted with the, the other Asian guy and that, and they were doing jokes, that was funny, that was cool. They were just part of the group. But when he started to do the... I think he did it about three times. Oh, I'm the black dude. It's like, yeah, we well, know. So? Once again, it was just... He was normal. And I was glad to see... You know, these characters... The, the second lot, I was just glad to see... Uh, get chopped up just so that stop talking or stop trying to act. <laughs> that, it was a relief to watch them because they, yeah. oh, good, you're not going to be talking anymore. Thank goodness for that. Mm-hmm. But all in all, um, I think it's just going to be another forgettable effect. I think most people have forgotten about it already. It's not like, uh, like at least when Rob Zombie did the remakes of Halloween, he made an effort. But to me, this was, I don't know, they sat around a boardroom and went, okay, what can we change or make different? And then not bother, you know, making mm-hmm. it compelling. It didn't do well. Uh, I never looked at the box office numbers. This Did this do well, the box office? It was back in 2009. I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm sure it did because, I mean, this is the tail end of the early 2000s where that's all that was out was remakes and yeah. everybody but yeah. I'm sure it did well I mean it, admittedly I like the movie um, it's definitely not the worst of the Friday the 13th um, yeah I, I have no idea nah, it's, um, I think it's just for it's not even um, controversial enough to be uh, hated you know what I mean to me it was just bland like it started off really good and then it mm. just it's like they used up all their creative juice in the first 20 or so minutes and then it's like oh tired now okay let's just get this done and finished mm-hmm. <laughs> here's the B here's yeah. the fluffers here's the B actors the, the first group have shot their load so let's bring in the fluffers and, and just get this done <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's kind of the way I felt about it <laughs> so all in all um, I don't think it's going to go down and I think it's just going to get forgotten about and 
just shoved off to the side and people who want to revisit Friday the 13th just go to the original uh, series because at least there was some sort of heart you know or humour put into those so you can be invested but this one's just kind of yeah mm. fun to watch but nah I've already forgotten most of it and I only watched it um, a week or two ago <laughs> it's, uh, for me it's one I, I revisit fairly frequently uh, especially with the new box all of the Friday the 13th including this one and Freddy vs. Jason that's that's why I was excited to watch it see and I think having to put the they put the Freddy vs. Jason in the Freddy box as well that's that's such a great movie we'll have to do that one sometime but <laughs> that, yeah that, I love that, that one I don't Like that, that was it was a lot of fun. It was one of those movies. Like I saw it in theaters when it came out, and I was just sort of like, "Huh, why did I?" I but every time I watched, I love it a bit more and more. It's a grower. It's, um, I just remember um mm-hmm. all the ads. I know we're going off the tangent, but we're still in Friday the Thirteenth. But um, do you remember the ads and they did the weigh in of Vegas and they did the interviews, and they really hammed it up. Mm-mm. Okay, so basically, um, they had it as if it was going to be a boxing match. So they did this thing in Las Vegas, and with the being um, compare, he normally does all the major fights. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, and standing in at three hundred and twenty pounds, five hundred and eighty movie kills. It's Jason, and you know, actually had them come in and weigh weigh each other and do the whole. <laughs> you know, what I mean, Freddy obviously starts trash talking. Jason remains stoic. Uh, you have to look that up. Honestly, the, the Freddy versus Jason weigh-in, it's hilarious. Yeah. And that's what had me invested in this movie because you just knew they're taking the piss. This is just going to be a fun movie. And that, that's why every time I go back, I just remember all that stuff mm-hmm. that came out. Just really campy, over the top. And we were just having fun with it. And then when you see Jason and uh, Robert England and who was it? Big fella, they're sitting in the their chairs doing the uh, the interviews, and Jason's talking as well. You know, there's going blah 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 blah. Uh, just a lot of fun times. That's I think when people enjoyed making movies. I think that's why we'll always go back to the past because now because mm-hmm. I honestly don't think people enjoy making movies anymore. That's my problem. I think these... Well, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's that. I think it's the fact that the execs don't have anymore like to let somebody go do their vision. You now, it's like if it doesn't fit in these certain squares, then it's not being done. Yeah, probably. It's But you know where I'm coming from? You just get this feeling that there's no mm-hmm. joy in the creation of the entertainment now. Where... Freddy vs. Mm. Jason is a perfect example of even all the promo stuff. The actors are getting involved. They're invested in what they do. They're franchises and they mm-hmm. know they're having fun with it. And I am just not feeling that today with movies. It's, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's a tragedy. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, so we also looked at, um, once again, the Hammer House of Horror series. Um, we decided we're going to do, uh, we did two of these movies, um, 13th Reunion, 
uh, basically the premise is uh, there's this reporter. A whole lot of shit that wouldn't happen these days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love looking back at these because it's, it's the swinging 60s and this was freedom of expression and uh, thought and voice. This is, this is before the 60s went bad. This was actually when the 60s were fun. And this is an example of, yeah, do your shit. This, this is stuff on TV, just so, so great. Um, I just wish I could bring some of this into today's movie and get rid of this fucking sanitizing um, corporate directorship that's sticking a nose in. Uh, I don't know, it's it weird at the moment. I, I just wish I would stop and bring some of the fun back into it. But the, the premise of the story is um, investigative reporter who uh, she does fluff pieces and she wants to cut her teeth as a genuine reporter but she gets sent to this fat camp to discover the secret of people's weight loss and this is um, hmm. uh, and then she starts finding out something more sinister is going on now it starts out I I thought this whole episode was going in a different direction because it starts off in the funeral home and the two funeral directors are like Mick Cleaver, uh, Mr. Borges and the other one, um, just all very matter of fact and prim and proper and then they're they're hacking the head of a corpse or something. You don't you, everything's off camera because it's T V so they don't mm. don't show uh violence, but still the the idea is they're they're doing something with the bodies. Then it's going to this weight loss camp. First scene, an ex army uh PTI and I can <laughs> harken back to the days when I wore a uniform of you piece of shit hurry up you're not trying hard enough you're eating too many pies you're fucking and this girl just standing there in absolute fucking tears oh man you, you could not do that today the, the, no, no. If, if, if that was even shown on thing today god people would lose their shit but this was just <laughs> this girl just absolutely broken, destroyed, you know, as he's ripping in there. Now, this is what I thought. Mm. I thought that there was a link between the bodies and the weight loss because then they talk about the, the real estate guy, or sorry, the, the banker, the merchant banker, and the given yeah. pill. So I, I thought initially, okay, are they doing something with the bodies to make this weight loss pill? Is that the story? Yeah. And that's, I, I think it deliberately led you that way, just to mess with you, because that's where I was saying, okay, is this where they come off or something? Because do you remember back in the, like even back in the old Stan Lee times, uh, the comics and stuff, uh, gamma radiation could turn you into Hulk, not just kill all your body. So there was no need to understand science, so you can come off with any crazy stuff. Like, we'll take bile and make it into a weight loss pill, you know what I mean? I thought it was going to go that direction. And then, yeah. Uh, obviously, the guy takes a pill. He has a heart attack. They grab his body. She starts investigating about what's what's going on. It was weird the way the her fake injury, mm -hmm. and she goes to the doctor. That was a bit of a creepy scene, where she goes to the doctors. It was like the doctor was sizing her up.
I don't know. It was like a, they were trying to uh, size her up. I don't know whether they were going to use her in an experiment or he was just trying to be like creepy, uh, kind of sleazy hook feeling her leg. You know, it was like <laughs> that odd. I thought it was going to go that direction for a bit. And then she's in the hospital. She escapes and goes to the... Was it a hospital? Yeah, it was a hospital. It was a private hospital or something. It was... I kind of jumped a bit. I didn't understand what the connection was, why she had to go to the hospital. I, I think it was. Oh, because that's where the morgue was? Yeah, I... That's where... Was, I don't quite remember. Yeah. Because... It's, oh, yeah. Yeah, because it starts off in a funeral home uh, with the undertakers. But then it jumps to the hospital. I don't know how they managed to shehorn a hospital and this whole thing because then she goes from a hospital to a manor house and this is where the this is where the plot kind of takes goes completely left field and I don't know whether it was deliberately meant to be like that or oh yeah just, yeah or did the LSD kick in by the time they got that far, part in the script with it being the sixth seasonal <laughs> but um, yeah then she ends up in a manor house and the Lord of the Manor invites her in, and they're all very casual about it. And then it turns out it's actually, um, like that uh, story alive. You know, they're all in an airplane, and because I had to survive on cannibalism, they made it into a ritual that they meet every year and have dinner and eat somebody. But it didn't explain why people were going missing throughout the year. You know what I mean? It was kind of, mm-hmm. I suppose it was TV back in the day. Um, you didn't really have to explain too much. And because it's episodal, you don't really have to worry about it. Because by the end of the episode, you just forget about it. But it was, it laid all the groundwork for body snatching and scientific experiment linked to weight loss. So I thought they were making a weight loss pill from cadavers. But instead, they were using the weight loss camp to select their next meal. It was mm-hmm. it was a really uh, yeah. Which weight... as soon as like you get to the end, you realize, oh yeah, that's why they were having that duty. Nothing but potatoes. Yeah, because they're just fattening them up. But I don't know. Just uh, this is just. Uh, the 60s, all over the place, kind of TV. Who worries about a coherent plot? plot just throw it in there. And then, uh, yeah, she goes back to the other... So she escapes from the manor and then goes back to the Undertakers. Instead of going to the police. It was weird. It was like they have these locations. Let's just throw them all in and... Uh, I've just remember, like like I said, I watched these when I was a kid, and when you're a kid, you just kind of watch stuff, and you look at the horror bits, and you kind of don't fill in the blanks. But now I'm going back watching over the series, I just realise these plots are just absolutely bonkers. There's definitely drugs involved at the writing process because everyone's just mm. they're all over the show. But yeah, she goes back then to the funeral home, then meets the PPI, mm-hmm. and then he says he's on the flight as well, and then that's it. So it was a it was an odd episode. Sorry, did you cut up her? 
Did you enjoy it though? I, I'll be honest. Like this episode is rough. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, it's, these are, they're exactly what you expect them to be. They're, they're goofy little episodes. They're completely self-contained. So like, it's just easy to eat up every second of. Yeah. And just <laughs> go with the fun. Um, yeah, I think I think the way the mm-hmm. start and the end is just so completely different and out there you're you're not kinda following along, but yeah, pretty much that's what it was. Um we also watched uh Rude Awakening. And that's kinda the next episode in the series. There's only thirteen in this uh we only made thirteen and then that was it, you know, it was kind of a one off. So I lo- suppose the good thing is that they didn't try and milk it too much and make season after season like they do today. So these can kind of be revisited, but uh, Rude Awakening. This one was. Um, it reminds me of Bedazzled, the the original with uh, Dudley Moore and Peter Cook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, Norman, the estate agent. He just reminds me of uh, Dudley Moore's character, Stanley. Wasn't it Stanley? Who's going through like these scenes. Uh, you know what I mean? It's the idea is that he's losing his mind, and it's almost like a premonition of the future. And he keeps getting these phone calls. Uh, basically, the premise of the story is um, Norman's a he's a real estate agent. He's unhappy in his marriage, or so he thinks, and he gets a phone call about going to visit Lower Moat Manor, which is a stately home. Supposedly the owners died and uh, the executor of the estate wants to sell off the property. And that's how this all kicks off. Uh, he goes to visit the property. Um, what we see is uh, a dumb waiter and uh, the old uh, sort of tube calling device. He, he speaks in there for a laugh going hello. And lo and behold he gets an answer of you shouldn't have done it Norman. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. Here, it really went overboard with the cobwebs. Like, I would not like to meet those spiders. Like, they really, they really hand it out. It was like, they, they went to the Dollar Tree, took all of the the fake cobwebs that they get out of there and used them. They went really overboard with the, the manor at the start. <laughs> <laughs> just cobwebs everywhere. It's like, Holy shit, is that, is that what this is going to be? It's going to be a monster spider. <laughs> but sure enough, um, he, the the suits of armor come to life. He starts freaking out. He gets out of the place and then it's he wakes up as if from a dream. And then we'll just see the rest of the episode. Just He doesn't know whether it's a dream or reality. The thing that got me though, his assistant Lola, Every time he goes into the office, she's in a completely different outfit and hairstyle and everything. Mm-hmm. Which starts making me think, is there something... Mm-hmm. Is she the main focus or is she real? Because the way she just completely changes every every time he encounters her, you know... Yeah, it definitely keeps you wondering. That makes you go, okay, right, there's something not right here. Is she part of this or what's going on? But... What it turns out, he keeps getting premonitions of, you shouldn't have killed your wife, you shouldn't have killed your wife. 
and then they try to explain it. Um, first of all, he goes to the manor house. Then the manor house disappears. And then he goes back to the manor house and it turns out that the ghost of the lady lives there. And then it turns out he's got a brain ch- Like, they really go through the whole mill of every explanation of why he's losing his mind. And you don't know what's what. It's just, mm. uh, it's just a whole jumbled mess of, okay, what's actually going on here? Because even when he has the supposed brain tumor operation, he then wakes up again from a dream. <laughs> and then, I don't know, it just, uh, this, there was definitely drugs involved with this episode. That's all I can say. There was definitely, there yeah. definitely, there, <laughs> definitely, they definitely were having a party when they made this because the writers just, they're all over the place. It seems, because mm-hmm. the first one, uh, The Witching Hour, was actually quite coherent as a, you know, as a story. And then these mm-hmm. two episodes are just completely bonkers. Like, you, you're going from minute to minute and then a completely different plot and you don't know where you're going. So, here's proof, folks, yeah. that we're not just... Well, and I think, I think with... With this story specifically, it kind of paid off with not knowing where it was going. Yeah, because it's, um, it's one of my favorite horror tropes is, uh, you know, the sort of reality, sort of madness. It's like, okay, what's real and what's not? Mm-hmm. And it's just him uh, just descending into it. But it was weird. He just, when it hits Friday the 13th, because that's what this is all building up to, um, that you shouldn't have killed your wife on Friday the 13th. But I haven't killed my wife, but it hasn't happened yet. And then when he wakes up in the morning, he just kills her for no reason. Like, and the whole dynamic between him and his wife, I want a divorce. Okay, dear. I'll, I'll go make your breakfast. You're like, what? If you kind of drop that on someone, mm-hmm. I want a divorce, especially in the 60s. Divorce. I mean, was, that's my everyday. <laughs> yeah. But back in the 60s, that was a major taboo. You know what I mean? Back then, you were married for life. That was, you know, it was actually preferred if you just screwed around rather than, if you got married, that was it. You were you're married for life, there's no no uh, go back on it. So the fact that he's throwing that in and she's just like, yes, dear. And then he's like, but we had this conversation yesterday. No, we didn't. That That's where the fun of, right, he's just lost his mind. This is just not, not going. And then um, the, final, the final scene where he goes into the office and Lolly is just the demure secretary and nothing sexual about her whatsoever and he doesn't pick up on this at all like I can understand now that her costume changes and all are his imagination of what he wants her to be but when he comes in after killing his wife and then sees her that she's completely not what he was imagining or going through it, it just seemed a bit weird and then when he he actually tried it on with her. It seemed a bit forced. Yeah. I don't know. And then... Um... Oh, you still there? Sorry, folks. We're having a bit of trouble with connection here. It keeps... I, I can't hear you at all. All right. <laughs> I've been getting maybe a third of what you've been saying this whole time. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there's uh, 
I think it might be the internet connection here. It's not the not exactly the greatest. Uh, trying to push out, but uh, I was just talking about the last scene where he comes into the office. She... But he gets taken off, and then she gets the call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The last bit where she um, she's gathering her stuff about to leave, and the necklace is lying there on the table, and then the final bit, she's just like yoink. I'll have that. I I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, it's, I I like that because it's like you know it was the whole episode was his psychosis and his fall down the road. and then you know she gets the necklace and takes the phone call like fuck it I'll go see the manor, and it's like oh so now it's going to be her turn. <laughs> yeah, man just left. Um, these episodes are fun, but. Uh, as I was saying, we're panning modern movie, but w- there's still bad writing back. TV is always going to be TV. You're not going to be intellectually stimulated watching TV. TV is a bargain basement of, you know, entertainment. But See, I'd argue that that's not quite the case. Legends where it's at for me. Like it, it, there's a lot more freedom. You can dive into character development a lot more. I mean, definitely the classic. That's just filler. But nowadays, it's like that's where cinema actually is. Is on on the TV. Yeah, it's a strange. I was about to say it. It's a strange reversal. TV has gotten more Mm -hmm. involved and clever. Where actually movies Mm -hmm. got worse. So I'm finding myself, I'd rather watch a season of something where they've taken the time to actually delve in and build characters and give you investment. Where back in the day we're seeing with TV is just, it's terrible. It's just, uh, we can understand why Mm -hmm. people always say TV rots your brain because it is just so disposable. And looking back at these old episodes as compared to something today, you can definitely see the difference where these guys are just throwing it, throwing it together and just throwing it out there. They're throwing spaghetti at the wall and they're not even thinking of is there going to be a second season? They just don't care. It's like they've got a season. That's it. And I think maybe because back in the UK, this is a British TV show, um, there's only three channels. Then you got uh, sort of mid-80s, you got Channel 4. Then in the nineties got Channel Five. So up until the nineties, before uh, cable TV and satellite TV hit, you only had up to five channels, and there wasn't twenty four hour TV. So basically at midnight, national anthem played and the TV shut off. So these things had a limited run. So I think their mentality is that they may never see another season of season of this again. It's like a one off. So, they just didn't care. You know I mean? They got their shot. They were just going to make it and take it and take the money and run. But I think with modern TV is because their streaming services are so... Uh, there's so many ways now to watch and there's so much out there that they have to spend the effort to get you hooked. Because if you don't um, get invested in a, a season or something by the third episode, 
they've lost they're not getting their um, renewal of the contract so I think TV has to try harder mm-hmm. now than they did back in the day because an old save uh, do you remember Erwolf? what? Erwolf do you remember the TV series Erwolf? The, I don't think I ever watched it. The super duper helicopter with three buttons that did everything. Well, basically, just just an example of TV that only ran for like three seasons, I think. And that made uh, Jean Michael Vincent, the main actor, that made his entire career. Where today, you have to have like five seasons of a show, minimum just to make a full career on it but once those seasons go you're kind of finished where back in the back in the like 60s 70s 80s you just had to have one good season and that was your entire career that was the power of tv back then which it doesn't have now so i think storytelling today and tv has been forced that it has to try harder to keep people invested because if they don't they basically they lose that's my that's my thoughts on it anyway. No, still not getting me. Oh <laughs> no. <laughs> Cameron's just getting blip 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 blip. <laughs> no, oh well. Well, that was that was fun that one. Okay, so last time we watched them was the Mummy, uh, made in nineteen fifty nine. Uh, original, uh, Christopher Lee. Yeah, this was a, this was a fun one. Yeah, um, Christopher Lee could outact everybody around him, even when he's wrapped in bandages and not speaking. <laughs> that is how much of a legend. If anybody, yeah, I fucking completely forgot it was Christopher Lee. I watched there's a I think there's about three or four of these movies in total. I remember them as a kid. Um because it all centers around uh Yvonne uh, Ferrano's character, the the high priestess or sorry the the Empress. It all uh the whole series No, she was a high she was a high She Priest. was gorgeous. Now that's a woman. You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. she, like she had it all. She had it all going for. Her. But that was the whole thing: is that the relationship between these two, and then the subsequent sequels is all about him trying to get her back. But if you ever wonder why Christopher Lee is such a legend, and why even up until his nineties he could still command the screen, this movie is a perfect example. Uh, just how you can take any role and just own it. And Peter Cushing as well. Like mm-hmm. he's supposed to be a young man. Like he's supposed to be a man in his late teens, early twenties. <laughs> and he still looks like he's sixty. <laughs> Cause it was funny he's going <laughs> I mean, at this point he he's or 
no, he wasn't 49. What was he? He was like 45 when they were filming this. So yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, that's, that's where your suspension of disbelief really comes to the max. Like he's, <laughs> he, he's just looking, mm-hmm. he's middle-aged and he's, he's acting the part as if he's like a young man in his 20s on his first expedition. It was, <laughs> it was really funny. One thing they would not get away with today is the brown mm-hmm. face. Like, that would cause so much shit today. Ooh, like, all that makeup? That shit's like... <laughs> yeah. It's like, man... That's, uh, that's one... Older, older films is, you know, white people playing Egyptians. It's like, you're, that's that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> and the makeup was so obvious and awful as well. It was, it was just hilarious, you know. But suppose back in the day that was mm-hmm. uh that's just the way things were you know what i mean it's and this whole thing about getting rid of history i don't you need to look back at this and you need to laugh at it and you need to understand the mentality this whole like people want to take all this stuff and burn it and get rid of it and make it disappear but how do you how can you have any reference to today if you don't look back in the past and the dynamics of society and because even then, this this question, this was asking uh, an important social question, which was effectively the desecration of Egyptian tombs. Mm-hmm. But it, it also came up as well, that, you know what I mean, it was the Egyptian government that were giving these people licenses to come in and do it. You know what I mean, there was actually a question being asked here. And then the whole point of... Uh, revenge and the curse says you know you desecrate a tomb you you pay the consequences mm-hmm. so even even back then the late 50s there was always social commentary i think the difference is though that this was done quite cleverly it was done as a discussion and not trying to beat you over the head with a, a brick and tell everybody you're terrible bad people mm-hmm. which is which i think well and even even when they bring it up, like there's that moment in the parlor mm-hmm. where Peter Cushing's talking to Christopher Lee and they're having that back and forth discussion. Like it doesn't feel like a forced message. Like it just feels like, Oh, of course they're going to talk about that. Yes. And both sides gave their story and then they left it up for the audience to make up their own mind. You know, and that's, I think, and I think we can learn a lot from these movies about how to have conversations which I think today's generation's forgotten. It's actually how to how to have an actual yeah. conversation and broach a topic and weigh up the pros and cons or not even that, but just people's motivations why they do something. It's uh mm-hmm. it's lost. That's why the ones that are trying to create or make something happen are actually having the opposite effect and it's all about the delivery. And these movies at the moment are turning people off like even uh, we're watching the Hammer House of Horror and they were talking about uh, sexual equality they were talking about women's rights mm-hmm. and basically what she's saying I want to be a, a proper reporter it's like you know I'm sick of tired just being a woman not being taken seriously it's like well as long as people are banned fluff pieces on kittens and knitting patterns that's going to be your job until people want something different. No, it was actually explained the economics behind why she was doing. But at the same time, when she came with a story, she was given the freedom to go and do it. So these, I think these topics 
were tackled a lot better back in the day. You know, mm-hmm. when they were relevant. I don't I don't know what's going on now, but if you if you beat people over the head with a brick, and this whole thing with um, Egypt and the mummy, you know, it was a major thing. People were, uh, it was, because the British Empire, it was 1954 when uh, Queen Elizabeth basically decreed that the British Empire would be dissolved. And that wasn't too long after um, uh, India gained independence and then the decision was made to dissolve the empire and create the Commonwealth instead. So this was going on during that time, this shift and change. And then the question was brought in society about British imperialism and were they doing the right thing, going and you know taking stuff to go and stick in museums. And then the argument was, well, actually, the government of that country is inviting us in to do it because it's bringing wealth and also the pieces are being displayed not actually just being it's not as if they're taking the sarcophagi or the the materials and melting down the gold and chucking the stuff away you know what i mean the stuff was being brought back to the museum being displayed that was the argument against it so you're, you're seeing both sides give and it was a pretty contentious topic back in the day about you know how does a a culture dies if you forget its history so there is a thing of preserving history or how do you learn about a culture if you don't learn about its history? Or how do you learn about other cultures if you don't see aspects of their life? You know, that was the whole argument back and forward. And it was getting tackled in this, but yeah, this movie, um, it was fun. It was enjoyable for back in the day. The, there wasn't much in the way of special effects, but still, even the way they did the traps in the tomb, was very clever. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, this is just classic yeah. hammer horror. No, it was I great. I really enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's worth, and also, hopefully, um, if I can find the sequels, because I think there was at least two sequels to The Mummy. There was The Mummy's Return and The Mummy's Revenge, if I can remember rightly, with Christopher Lee as well, but it was all fo- focusing on uh, Yvonne's character. Um, him busy because he because he's awoken and he he thinks he sees his long lost love he relentlessly pursues her over the next two movies so yeah it was a a lot of fun I used to watch these on a Saturday night Uh, it was Channel 4 it was just Saturday night these movies come on uh, all the classics and I, I used to love them and I hope you learn to love them too And camera just got blip 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 blip. There's a crazy man talking again. Blip blip blip. That's that's fucking stupid thing is that's what I end up hearing perfectly <laughs> is when you're saying that. <laughs> it's like uh It's like it'll be nothing. Dead silence and then Oh Cameron like, can't hear me again. It's like, like when I you're drinking that. with me, that's all you hear from me after a while. Blip 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 blip. <laughs> when I'm staggering around trying to pat your dogs, go burp, 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 burp. It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> go to bed, home. Well, folks, um, I think we'll wrap it up there for today. I hope that was uh, enjoyable. Um, sorry once again for the technical difficulties. It's just uh, I haven't got 
great uh, doing that where I am. Um, I'm moving house tomorrow, so hopefully uh, get speedier broadband in, and this might clear up a lot of the issues that we're having. Uh, just finally, I want to say uh, a massive thank you to October's authors, uh, Christina Hogue, Garrett Ray Riggs, Kristen Hutchison, Kira Adams, and this Friday's episode is going to be featuring Monica Shah. So uh, keep in tune for those. Uh, please like and subscribe. Uh, share these episodes. Go on to uh, the Horrific Tales segment. Show our authors some love. Uh, who are very kindly giving us, uh, uh, letting us showcase their material. Um, support their works uh, as well. And if you can, if they've got a book out or something published, please uh Go on there, give them, uh, show them a bit of support, help them grow. And hopefully as we grow as well, uh, we can help them further. Uh, last thing just to say is, uh, remember folks, keep it creepy, keep it horrific.